I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today. And you know, if um, 10, 15 years ago, someone had said, you know, they're coming for your children. And by they, I mean people who don't ascribe to God's way of thinking at all. I'd have said, yeah, you're a little, a little overdramatic there. But they're coming for your children. <laughs> you only have to go to Target or Kohl's, places I shop, right? When I shop, my wife shops. And they've got, you know, well, let me put it this way politely. Unbiblical models of family on clothing all the way down to infants uh, and displays. And they're proud of it. They are very proud of this, uh, their definition of family. Okay, I'm not here to rail against that. Uh, and we want to point to God's idea of family. And with that, I have a wonderful guest back on the program. Uh, and she writes a lot of books. Well, she writes a lot of books, but she does write a lot for children. And she has a book now called Love Connects Us All. Looks like that. Available. Uh, she just won an award for another devotional she did, which we talked about here on the program a while back. So we have an award-winning author. And, you know, I don't do a lot of children's books on this program. Um, not all of you have children. I get that. But the ideas of family and love and God's idea of it uh, are very important, and we need to learn how to teach it to our children. The culture today will tell you that love is God. Well, that's kind of backwards because God is love. And if we want to know what love is, if we want to know what family is, we have to look at what God says love is and what family is to actually know. Otherwise, you get weirdness and all sorts of ideas. And if you just doubt that, look around. We're in the middle of it. Chat is open. If you're watching live, you're invited to be a part of this spicy conversation. My guest is the author of Love Connects Us All, Michelle Medlock Adams. Uh, and uh, I'm glad to welcome her back to life today. Michelle, good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having me back. I love chatting with you. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't I don't want to make this. This shouldn't be political. Uh, I mean, this is, you know, when you talk about God's idea of love and family, these are very basic things, but it just the culture has started to encroach so much that that everything is almost political but i mean these are foundational to what god says about us in order to live a happy fulfilled life um i mean I, am i going overboard here or is this a pretty big deal it really isn't and i'm like you even five years ago if you would have told me some of the things that are going on in the world that are direct attack on Christians and the biblical worldview of family, I would have thought, now really, that's really kind of extreme. That's that's not going to happen. And yet we're, we're living that every day. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one that likes to stir the pot or cause controversy, but we do have to stand up for what the Bible says and who we are as Christians, not in an aggressive attacking sort of way, because we know that the word says it is the love of God that draws men unto him. Hmm. And so I'm all about that. But at the same time, I don't want you to be attacking my worldview, which is based on the Bible either. So I think we have to stand up and teach our kids and our grandkids and our nieces and our nephews and all those who are little around us 
about what God says about family and about love. And that was really the thought when I wrote Love Connects Us All. And and I didn't know all this would be happening or that it would be releasing at this season, but see, God did. Hmm. So I'm glad he's orchestrating those things because I don't know, I would have been brave enough, but you know, God gives us courage to write what he tells us to write. So when I wrote this little book, I had no idea that it might cause some controversy, but you know, I'm ready for it because <laughs> I only write what God tells me to. So that that is that's what this is about. It's it doesn't say anything ugly. It just but I'm very quite to point out. I, I always talk, say it is definitely a biblical worldview of family, and it is about how love connects us all, whether it's a small family or a big family, or their step siblings, or there's adopted children from a country far away, or even in the states. There are, there are lots of blended families. My sister came, you know, they had a blended family. It was yours, mine, and ours. There are lots of definitions of family. It's no longer just the dad and the mom and the 2.5 children and a, and a white picket fence and, and a dog and a cat. It, we, we've come a long way from that, but, but we can still stand for those principles of what makes us family, which truly is standing on the word of God and knowing that his love and the fact that he adopted us into his family is how we can then share that with our children. That, that's the whole premise behind the book. And it's needed. I mean, it is really needed. And to have it in a children's format is obviously helpful when you're trying to explain some of these concepts to children with nice pictures and things like that. Um, yes. But you, you know, God, I don't know. I, I, I know he knows all the possible outcomes based on our choices. Uh, that's kind of the way I look at the sovereignty. He still gives us a choice, but he knows the outcome of every choice, but allows us to make one of them. So I think you know, when we look at the choices of society, I mean, we know where it's going. Um, and a lot in the church have struggled with how to handle this. Some of them have endorsed it or, or tacitly endorsed uh, some of the weirdness that's going on with gender and with ideas of family and things like that. You have, you, you had an experience uh, years ago that enabled you to be able to even do this book without people tampering with it I think I think that's a great illustration of how we have to be sensitive to what God tells us even when it doesn't really make sense at the time because he does know what the future you know at least could hold if not does hold and I won't get into that but what happened to you years ago that enabled you to be even to be able to do this book the way you wanted to do this book well thanks for asking me that yeah um about three to five years ago, I want to say it was around like four years ago, exactly. I had written this book. Um, it was originally called What is Family? Because I have a whole series of books. What is Christmas? What is Thanksgiving? What is all the holidays? But I wanted to do one about family because, you know, it's such an important topic. Um, and so I submitted it. Uh, my agent actually did to several different publishers. And it was a secular publisher who showed quite a bit of interest, meaning just general market. There's not a Christian arm of this particular publisher. And they they were going to offer a contract. And so we were looking over the contract and I've never turned away a contract. And I've had over 100 books and I've never gotten to that point where there's been discussions and I stop and say, yeah, not this isn't for me. But I just had that still small voice, right? That Holy Spirit check where um, I, I knew I wouldn't have any control over the artwork or even some of the editorial that might go into it. And I just I heard the Holy Spirit just say to wait, just wait. And so I, I just told my agent, who's also a believer, I said, listen, I think we need to we just need to pull back and just say thank you so much, but I believe God has another plan for this, for this particular book. And that's what we did without making waves, just quietly said that no thank you. 
I didn't know that the book would ever see the light of day. And I was okay with that because I had to be obedient, right? Mm. Um, and not to super spiritualize it, but it was definitely a heavy, heavy decision for me. And then fast forward to three to five years, I guess three years later, um, exactly. I was talking with Victoria Duerstock, who's the publisher of Ingame Press. And she actually offered me the opportunity to have my own line of children's books um, called Ren and Bear Books based off uh, the oldest two grandchildren from both daughters. So Ren is my oldest granddaughter from Allison and Bear is my oldest grandson from from Abby. So Ren and Bear Books, which means I get to not just use my books, but find other authors' books too, and then develop them, choose the artists and direct all of that. It's just the most amazing thing. I felt like God's prepared me my entire career for this, for such a time as this, as it says in the word. Um, so my, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So, for, so that's why the very first book that I did for myself with my own imprint um, was Love Connects Us All. And that was actually my agent, um, his idea to change it from what is family and to Love Connects Us All, which is one of the lines in the book. It's a rhyming book for, for, for the young child. Um, they say like ages zero to five four to six, it, it depends on the reading level. But that, that I was able to choose Sandra Ide, who's an amazing Christian artist. And she she's done several books that are on my, my bookshelf that I love. And I got to direct exactly what went into every spread. And I'm telling you, this book has meant so much to me personally, because it, it's the, I guess it's the, it's the gift to me that by being obedient and waiting to be able to see it come to fruition the way that God had, had first put it on my heart. So I'm, I'm so excited to, to tell you that when God says wait, it doesn't mean no, it just means wait. Mm -hmm. He's got the right time, the right artist, the right whatever, and, and he's lined everything up. And then even when I was a little bit nervous to go forward to this, Randy, he would confirm things because I didn't want to make a big splash. And um, and I knew that there might be some upset people, even though I'm talking about all the different kinds of families and step siblings and blended families and big and small families. And whether there are a lot of um, situations, even in my community here in Southern Indiana, where drugs have taken the parents away, either they've died or they've gone to jail where grandparents are raising children. So there's a spread near where there's grandparents with the little kids. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to show all of those things, but I just wanted to keep it in the biblical worldview. And 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 I was allowed to do that. So I'm so grateful to in-game press, to Victoria Duerstock, to God, and and just excited to, to talk about Love Connects Us All because I know it's making an impact. We're already hearing testimonies. Well, so I, I what I love about that is that it illustrates that need to for really us to, to listen, to have discernment, and to have the ability to deny ourselves. Uh, because it would have, been, would have been real easy to go, but God, you gave me this idea, and now I have an open door, and I know that I'm just doing what you want me to do, but something checked you. And I, I mean, seriously, for a secular publisher to put out a book about family with world godly worldview, I, I just don't see it happening today. They would, no. they would cave to the pressure most likely like everybody else seems to be so right. just that in and of itself i think is important for people to hear so thank, thank you for you. that um of course to have control over the content is huge let's talk about a little bit of the content um it shouldn't be a surprise but yet you do still have to ask i mean so you've got you got families with two dads in, in this book Nope. <laughs> sure don't. No, <laughs> no, do not. Um, but you know, this last month was, well, there's several different holidays throughout the year that celebrate foster care and foster families and mm -hmm. fostering to adopt. And there's a lot of that in my extended family. My, um, my Abby, my oldest daughter, she married into a wonderful family and her husband, Micah, his parents sort of had the same story as my husband and I. They were high school sweethearts. They raised their children in the church. He's actually a praise and worship guy. Like we have a lot of 
are the same story. Hmm. The difference is when they, you know, they got their children raised and, and pretty much were starting the empty nest syndrome, they adopted three little boys. Oh, wow. I, started, I, I, I mean, I'm always in awe because, you know, I love my grandkids. We have six now. I know you're a new grandparent. It's yeah. the best thing ever. Like, I love this season. But I'm also really glad when they go home because I'm exhausted. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is, you know, a different season when you're in your 50s with kids than when you're in your 20s when you're raising them, your own. So it was, but I love it. Well, they are, they've got three little boys and I've watched them walk through this with grace and excellence and and just so much love. And and so this is a, a topic dear to my heart, but just to confirm it, I was um, I was at a school in Southern Indiana, which is where I live, speaking about another book I've written called Dachshund Through the Snow. I'm obsessed with dachshunds. We've always grown up with those little wiener dogs, dachshunds, I love them. <laughs> there's one on and the so cover of this book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. You know, I chose <laughs> that because yeah. I got to choose. There's a cover. Right. <laughs> she originally had a corgi and I'm like, could you make that a dachshund? Cause <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed. And she was like, no problem. Cause they're really close in, you know, how they look. Anyway, um, so Dachshund Through the Snow has, it's a Christmas story about a little dog named Crosby who's bullied for his size. He's the smallest dog in all of Diggityville. And and so there's this one section where he's really bullied. He's trying to get into the Arctic Animal Olympics. All the animals are making fun of him. And I always stop and ask the kids at that point, have any of you ever been bullied? And unfortunately, almost every hand goes up. People are so, uh, kids kids can be cruel. I mean, that that's happened all throughout history, but but it seems more so now. And it, it breaks my heart every time when I see all these little hands go up. Well, after I finished reading and, and you know, I answered the kids' questions, they were filing back in the line to go back to their classrooms because we were doing this in the library. And one little girl in this first grade class kind of hung back. And I could tell she was wanting to know if it was okay to come speak with me. So I motioned to her. I said, hey, thanks for being here today and helping me. Because I always had the kids help me do motions and stuff when the dog is digging. Like I said, you were so good helping me. And she said, Miss Michelle, I was bullied real bad. So I knelt down and got right in her eyes so I could look at her eyeball to eyeball. And I said, honey, I'm so sorry that happened to you. What happened? She said, well, the other kids, they just bullied me because I only have a mom. I don't have a dad. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I mean, she had big tears. I broke my heart. And I said, you know what? Your heavenly father, your God loves you so much. And your dad loves you. And I was able to, to just pray with her right there, even though it was a public school because it's my hometown and got a little leeway there. Um, and, and sent her off and, and just thought, told her I'd be praying for her. And, and I was so thankful that she's able to share that with me. And as I was walking to the car, loading up all the books, I just, like, I had that, that knowing, like the Holy Spirit was like, see, that's why I love connects us all is coming out so that she can find herself in this book. Cause it's not, mm-hmm. not everybody has a dad that lives with them or even knows who their dad is, but that's what this whole thing is about. I mean, in the back of the book, we have, there's a prayer that I have and, and I, it says, thank you, God, for my family. It's not like any other family, and that's what makes it so special. I'm so grateful for the love we share, and I'm so thankful because I'm in your family, God. Amen. And and so and there's a place even in the back where you can you can put um, a picture of your family, mm. like a little plastic sleeve. And I, I I just for all little girls, for all the girls and boys like that little girl that just stole my heart. I want children to be able to find themselves in this book and know that their family is special and that God ordained it, and that He's a that they're a part of His family which is even the most important message. Not only is your family special and the love that you share, but that God has adopted all of us into his family because of how much he loves us through his son, Jesus. Like that, if you can get that truth into kids at a young age, it transforms everything. So I want them to feel loved from their heavenly father and love from their family. And I know because I work in the schools and I've been in the schools enough and I work with kids all the time, I know that there's a lot of children who don't hear that message very much. Mm-hmm. So if, if they just check out this book at the library or it gets in their hands somehow because you can purchase it most places, um, then I know that that they're going to get that message because 
we know that God's word doesn't return void and his word is in this book. Every time we talk about family and we hold up, you know, God's ideal, in other words, where he's saying, look, this is, this is the best structure. It's the healthiest structure for the children. It's, it's better for parents. I mean, I can't imagine being a single parent. I just, it, it was hard enough with the two of us, right? It takes, right. took, took the team, but not everybody has that. People have abusive parents. They have dysfunctional families, the, the single parents. How do we communicate? This is a tough one, by the way. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I am putting you, but, uh, but I know you, so I'm going to try it. Um, how, how, do you have any tips for communicating God's sort of perfect idea that we should strive for without uh, communicating failure to, the, to that single mom or uh, uh, some sense of shame to that person with a dysfunctional family or uh, really just hammering in the trauma of someone with an abusive parent because those things are real. I think you touched on it when you talked about God's family. That's what my dad had to find out. Um, right. But how, he, and I love his story. My goodness. Yeah. It's a powerful testimony. Well, yeah. I mean, a man who had an alcoholic father, abusive father, uh, a mother who didn't want to be pregnant at her age of 40, you know, uh, and yet God stepped in. And I think maybe that's the answer to my question. God stepped in as family. Um, how do you how do you hold up the idea and, and at the same time balance the dysfunction that is out there? And I think that's the challenge for every believer, for every church, for every Christian organization that's trying to to make a difference in those families that are suffering from dysfunction, which is pretty much the majority. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. even in the church, and that, you know, I have a good friend that we were just talking about this book because she bought lots of copies. <laughs> and we were mm-hmm. we were just talking about the impact of, of family and, and what it really means today and how the definitions change so much. And And she said, you know, growing up, because I would take her to church with me, um, as a little girl. And she said, I never really felt like I belonged in that church. She's like, you were good to me and your parents were wonderful. But, and I, I never knew this. She didn't, she just shared this with you the other day and it broke my heart. I had no idea. She said, I, I never really felt like I belonged because my parents didn't go to church with me. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt, I didn't feel like I was a part of anything other than your friend. See, we have to know that there are little kids that are being dropped off or, or being picked up by the church bus or, getting to church because a friend loves them who their parents don't go to church or they don't even know where their parents are or they're living in a foster home and the foster children mm-hmm. are picked up on the church bus. We have to make them feel like they're important and that they belong and that it's no fault of their own that they are in this situation. And and they may never remember all the words that we say. They may not even remember the words in this book, but they're going to remember how they felt reading it, how they felt when you were speaking with them. The fact that I was able to bend down and talk to that little girl on her level and just give her a hug and tell her I loved her. That's what they come back for. They'll come back to our churches. They'll come back to, to hear more of that because they're not getting that. Mm. Many of these dysfunctional families at, at their homes. And even if they are, they may not be getting all that they need. And so I think that I just did an article for a magazine. They made me a cover girl. I was kind of, I thought, boy, I, I really would have rather been a cover girl in my twenties, not my fifties, but <laughs> they put it on the cover. It was a little out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to lie, but the article was important. So I, I guess I can deal with that. But the article was about how can we better minister to families that you're talking about in our churches. And I interviewed a gal named Genevieve, and she's just this amazing young woman who herself grew up in foster care. And then now she's a foster to adopt mama. And she uh, and she actually works in foster care. So she's she, I could get a I get information from her from three different points of view. 
and she's just a wealth of knowledge. And she said to me, um, you know, one of the things that people don't realize is when, when there are families in the church who are adopting or maybe who are fostering to adopt, many times they don't get the same celebration that people who are pregnant get. Mm. You know, we have baby showers for them. We have meal trains for them. We reach out, we have baby showers. She said that you don't get that. We said, we need the same thing. We need, we need the meal train. Are you kidding? We would love to have a shower for us to get, to get the things that are needed. We would love to have somebody to celebrate with us because it isn't always easy. It's not, it's a hard situation sometimes. And, and she had lots of tips and I, I put that in the article, but when you're asking for tips, I think maybe the main thing is, is just letting these kids and, and their families who might be coming like that single mama who's coming to church, mm-hmm. let her know that, Hey, we're here for you. You may not have a husband, but listen, God says he'll be your husband, but as your church or as your community, we're here for you. So if there's a night that she needs to just go out and grocery shop by herself, like be that person that can help with the kids or it's this this gal said it's great to have a Facebook group, a private Facebook group where people are just the people that are in your your little private circle, like your inner circle, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more extended, but not much, where you can just have prayer requests. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going through some stuff with with our child, or I need somebody to just watch our kids while I take our new foster child to um, a play therapy appointment. Like just having that community of support, like you said, it took it took both parents just to get through. It's tough to be the mm-hmm. single parent. So I can't imagine going through that alone, but I have a lot of friends who, who are, um, mm-hmm. and, and I see that it, the thing that helps them, obviously God helps them, but that sense of community, knowing that they're not alone in this, that makes a big difference and letting them know truly what this book says, love really does connect us all. If you need something, call me, I'm there mm-hmm. and really mean it. That's, that's a difference. Don't be the person's like, well, it's not really going to be a good day for me. Nope. That's not the answer. <laughs> the answer is I'm there. What do you need? That's what, that's how we, that's how we make them feel loved and know that they're truly a part of our family. Well, you're, you're talking sacrificial love, um, beyond, you know, just our immediate family, but as the church, and I really do think that's key that, that is, I think the only way, well, I don't know. I read somewhere that that the world will know we are Christians by our love. Yes. (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) We sing that song too. Yeah. (laughs) But in, in the reality is the world right now is, is confusing the idea of love uh, and family. And it, it's that much more critical that we step up and, and show them not just by saying, no, that's not it, but by saying, let me show you what it is. Uh, yeah. And, and so I, that's why I really like, you know, the idea of teaching our children this, um, you know, getting, getting the children's book, um, putting it in public libraries if they'll let us, but at least getting it in the hands of, of families, especially ones that may be a little bit dysfunctional because that's where the children need to see that something is possible outside the dysfunction. That's and right. and it's not just something they can strive for. It's God's plan for them. It's his idea for them. And where there are gaps, when we invite him in, he will fill those gaps because we can't always make those gaps, whether it's a single parent home or uh, a parent who is not loving. Um, we can't make those gaps go away by ourselves uh, because there's other people involved. Um, in, I've got only got a few minutes here, so I don't want to open <laughs> too much it's of a can. Yeah, I know it's been very good. I'm getting good feedback, by the way. People are enjoying this. Uh, let me just put it this way, because if. If I, if I open certain topics, it'll be another 10, 15-minute conversation. <laughs> At the end of the day, um, when you're, whether you're writing for children or, or for adults, um, what do you, 
what do you want people to feel and walk away with and understand? You know, they always tell us in branding classes and in all the things that we teach in marketing for authors, I've taught this and, and I've tried to live it, but you want people to, to know you for certain things, right? Um, and as Christians, we should be that aroma of Christ that, and that we change the temperature when we go into a room, like we are that person. As an author who's a Christian, I need to do that through the words I write. And it's not like, I know you don't bat a thousand every time. I get that. Not every book is a bestseller, though I've had my share, and that's only because of God. But I but I believe that every time I sit down to write, I'm not doing it alone. So I know that the words I'm putting on the page, though everybody needs a good editor, <laughs> I know that they are coming straight from the throne. And so I was having a, this is a quick story, but I was having a, a hard time writing this devotion for moms one time. It was called Daily Wisdom for Mothers. It's still out there. I wrote it in the early 2000s. And I think it's been, I don't know how many printings, but people still think I live in Texas. I don't anymore. I live back in Indiana, but the work that book says I'm in Texas. So people always think that anyway, I was writing this book and I was, it was like to the November 30, 365 day devotional. That's a lot of writing. And I hadn't ever written a book that, that big at that point in my career. And I was at the altar, just, you know, asking God to, to help me. I was experiencing writer's block. I was like, Lord, I'm out of wisdom and I'm really in November. Like, I don't know. I'm gonna, you're going to have to help me. And uh, they had a guest minister and he came down, down to where I was praying. And I really didn't want him to, I kind of just wanted to pray by myself. And he said, can I, can I speak with you? And I thought, gosh, I really don't want you to like, I just <laughs> wanted to talk to God. I was in the corner by myself. And then he said, uh, he's like, I don't know who you are or, or what you do, but because as you're praying, I, I just see an angel with his wings just wrapped around you. And I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that whatever you're writing, you're not doing it by yourself, that God is right there with you, Jeez. protecting you and directing your words. And I thought, I can live on that for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so anytime I get to a point where I, I'm like, Lord, I don't know if this is the right thing. I don't want to stir up controversy or Lord, I want to be encouraging, not condemning. I just think about that that image that that guest minister shared with me because I truly feel like that, that I'm not on this journey by myself. So whether I'm writing for adults or for kids, I've got, I've got God's help and, and then I can go ahead and do it with courage. And so I want people to feel hope and encouragement and truly um, the Father's love through everything that I do. I love it. And you're putting lots of words on paper and it is encouraging a lot of people. I want to show people your website. The website is michellemedlockadams.com. Looks just like that. And you can see more about <laughs> all of her books. Uh, well, maybe not all of them are on there because that'd be a lot, but at least most recent ones are do you have all your books on the website is that I, even possible? i do but they're categorized if you go under books it's like you know picture books board books devotional i tried to organize it so that people wouldn't be overwhelmed <laughs> good for you i mean because that that is a challenge and you've got um a podcast coming out in the summer uh yeah. I'd, I'd love for people to know about it because i do think a lot of uh a lot of women but in general a lot of people would be interested to hear what you guys are doing because i know some people in that group Ah, well, thank you. Yeah. So Victoria Duerstock, who's not only the publisher and the owner of Endgame Press, where I have my imprint, she's also one of my best friends and so deeply rooted in the word. And, you know, we, we pray together. We're all, we're all those things. So we are starting a podcast. We we're just now recording a lot of them uh, called what's your Endgame." That's the name of her publishing company. And where we're going to be talking to people really, it's almost like a testimony hour. Remember those testimony hours we used to have on Wednesday night church where people would pop up and tell like <laughs> what God's doing for them. Well, that's what we want to have people give them the access to do that as we interview them. Hopefully I can interview as well as you do. And and then ask them things, you know, like, so why are you doing this? What's your end game? Mm -hmm. You know, how is God helping you do this? 
boy, that that's so encouraging to hear what God does for others because we know he's no respecter of persons, only respecter of faith. And we hope to bring that out in every story that we share. So it's called What's Your Endgame? All right. You can look for that in mm, probably July-ish. Um, by That's the way, right. Gina McCown's coming up, another one of your writers. Oh, the, we uh, love her. Such a powerful book. Yay. <laughs> so all good. Oh, man. You know, Michelle, I, I really do enjoy talking to you. you. You light up the chat every time I'm with you. Um, and and I know that you're blessing people in all your work. And that angel's still with you, I think. So. <laughs> Praise God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Otherwise, we're all done. We're, we're going to be on right. to drive. <laughs> Don't want to get up then, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. So thank you. Is there anything you want to add before I let you go? Just just so grateful. Thank you for what you do and what your family does. Um, Jeff and I have been watching you all for many years, and I, you know, I share with that, you that at NRB how much of an impact I think that what you do makes in our lives and many lives. So just thanks for the opportunity, and um, thanks to all of you viewers. Well, and uh, you get another book out there. You come back. Uh, I will. I, I love having you on, and you do bless thank people. So thank you, Michelle Medlock Adams, and thank you, everyone who is watching. Be sure to check out our website and pick up uh, pick up the book for anybody in your life. If you don't have anyone in your life like uh, that is of children's book age, buy one and give it to a stranger. Why not? Uh, it'll just let them know about God's love and maybe, maybe form a connection uh, that God will use to bless someone and really point them in a right and healthy direction hit that share button hit the like follow and subscribe and do come back please we've got more for you here including another in-game author soon on life today live we'll see you again next time